Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Business Purpose Trends podcast for another week. I'm Phil Preston, and this is your short and sharp weekly update. And today is part one of bringing AI and purpose together, which I have labeled the promise and panic of AI. You may ask, is this a stretch? Am I just trying to be relevant to the latest hot topic and be a bit cool and funky? Well, maybe, but AI is relevant to just about everything right now. So I want to stay in my lane and point out relevant risks, opportunities, and talking points that come with it. Now, myself, being an expert who speaks and facilitates, my job is about research, analysis, storytelling, and performance to convey expertise in a way that's valuable to my audience. So what does AI mean for me? Given in theory, it's probably not hard to get all my blogs and my book and other things that have gone online, create a script that delivers what the audience is after. You could even get a hologram to deliver it. So what can I bring? Can I bring anything that? Well, I can bring the immediate human experience and that's about all, or is it? We're going to look at this question, I guess, and and circle back at the end. I want to start with, um, again, it's, it's a book I've mentioned a few times, Jim Collins in Good to Great, which was published before, I think it was late 90s. He noted that technology is an accelerator of momentum, not the creator of it. And I feel that rings true with AI. Fortune in their Fortune Media in their CEO Daily uh, had some remarks from ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott, who had utilized AI to drive 25% revenue growth in the last quarter. He said, we are seeing an exponential increase in productivity. AI is helping us to take our costs and grow revenues. This is the iPhone moment for the enterprise, and it will completely and fundamentally change all the rules of the game. If you don't have 20 or more projects right now experimenting with generative AI, you are taking a huge risk. So in what Bill said there, it raises many questions, such as the ethics and longer-term impacts of AI and how companies navigate these and the types of practices they adopt. We need to look under the bonnet if this is the promise and be able to delineate the panic from the promise. So before we launch in, I note that, again, you I keep banging on about this, clarity and delivery of a business purpose is what really drives performance, competitive advantage, and profitability. This is the process that is the future of business, which is very much about improving trust. And again, I'm going to circle back to that later as well. So what are we talking about with AI? Because there is AI and there's generative AI, and let's just get some things clear. I'll define those two in a minute. But what I'll note is in the past, we've been able to do a search online with um, a Google search, for example. We get a bunch of results. They take us to web pages. Sometimes we get what we want, sometimes not. Um, It will take us to one or more sources based on what we've put in to the search query. And maybe the best source we're after is on page seven of the search results, but we seldom go past page one. I can't remember the last time I went past page one, to be honest. Paid content gets in first and previously popular pages get in first too. That's the search process. AI is more like entering a question and then scraping the whole internet for an answer. So it's not about the best page. Um, It's about assembling an answer and being able to further drill down into elements of that answer if you choose. Ideally, the best or optimal answer will appear, but the reality is that the answers AI gives aren't always accurate. So as long as you know the limitations of AI, it is incredibly powerful. If I'm doing a show or an episode on the promise and panic of AI, then I can ask for an outline of what key points I should be raising. And I, in fact, did that, of course. And AI gave me a 10-point outline, which was 
Introduction to AI, the promise of AI, the ethics of AI, AI in healthcare, AI in education, the future of work, the panic of AI, the road ahead, uh, viewer questions and feedback, then conclusion and call to action. So it gave me those 10 points and each of them had four dot points underneath them. And while I wouldn't necessarily choose that structure, it's a heck of a starting point that really comes for free. It's just comes from a, a one line question and bang, you get that in front of you using chat GPT. By the way, when it talked about the promise of AI in that segment, it suggested I talk about how it enhances efficiency, productivity and decision making and highlight its role in addressing global challenges like climate change and healthcare and poverty. Under the dot point on the panic of AI, it suggested we delve into doomsday scenarios and concerns and discuss potential risks and unintended consequences and so on. So you can see that this um, you know, has some pretty solid points underneath what it's delivering. What is powerful is that we can harness AI also to compose messages or essays or scripts and much, much more based on things that are already on the internet. And it doesn't take you to a web page, as I said, it takes you or gives you a summary of, of I guess, what's on the net and, and does that in an intelligent way. The newer AI tools are adding more creativity into the answers that they give. So when you look up what is AI, you get two broad streams. Traditional AI is about pattern recognition. So detecting patterns and generating insights to solve tasks using rules. Whereas generative AI, generative AI, it's hard to say sometimes, is more around chat GPT and the tools we're seeing today. And these are more advanced models that are looking more at pattern creation as opposed to pattern recognition. So they do create new content and data based on what's, what's there rather than just giving insights into to what's there. So what does it mean? Well, hyper-productivity comes to mind, as Bill McDermott noted. Companies have big gaps. So how do they get new people with the right skills? How do they encourage people to develop these skills? And we're going to look deeper into that into part two of this AI series. It does point to an area, though, that twigged my interest and that colleague Coro Strandberg, who you will recall from episode 13, um, were thinking about, and that is strategically when we think about not-for-profits or social businesses or even social initiatives of any business, it will give us new social purpose options and ideas, and it's great for bringing together a whole bunch of ideas. Now, ultimately, we have to decide what ones look good and what ones we pursue, but it can just do that collection process really quickly. Operationally, it can help us do things with data sets and impact measurement methods, maybe uh, lead us to the right one or the better methods to use. But here's the biggie. I think this is the real biggie. Not-for-profits can access capabilities and skills that they might otherwise not have or be able to afford and therefore they'll be able to do much more with less so increase their level of social impact that they can create with existing resources i think that's a, a huge opportunity but it all comes down to knowing how to use it well and properly and knowing limitations as well as strengths a fascinating area is education and some education startups are coming through um, you've been used on university e-learning platforms for example, one of them, and this is aimed at, at workers and helping workers upskill and reskill. Um, the four key areas are AI fundamentals, AI in practice, AI expertise, and AI for leaders. So that gives you an example of how those courses are being structured. It raises questions. What does it mean for professional services like accounting, conveyancing, tax, and law, and consulting? You know, that's a tarnished industry. Um, at the best of times. So imagine how much expertise will now be ripped 
from existing sources using AI and enhanced by AI instead of going to those traditional service providers. It's pretty scary and there's going to be winners and losers. When you hire external experts such as lawyers or accountants or whoever, are you actually paying for them to do stuff or are you paying them to use AI tools to do that stuff? And, and all you're really getting is the cover of their insurance policy, perhaps. Or can you be developing these skills yourself and using them judiciously? Lots of questions. I don't claim to have the answers. For me personally, I'm fumbling around in the dark a bit and seeking the answers, but we, we do have experts in these fields, um, although they are emerging fields. So there's a lot to catch up on. I think the main issue for the business purpose conversation is around skills, which we'll look at further in part two, but also it's about transparency, responsibility, and trust, and thinking about the governance that we put around that. Decisions made by organizations are still the responsibility of humans. So don't be the lawyer in New York who submitted a whole lot of comparable cases to a judge that he just ripped off AI and the judge caught him out because they were ridiculous. They didn't look right. And he hadn't even bothered to review or check. So he got found out. We can expect regulation, but we don't know exactly what that will be, whether it be effective or producing intended consequences or not. As humans, we can harness AI, of course, to do things better and quicker, provided we know how to use it. We can create higher value-add roles in that process. We can deliver a human experience to a human audience still, and we have to ultimately be accountable for what we deliver. So there's a lot there to take in, and that's our part one. As I said, in part two, we'll look further into the implications for workers and workforce. Also, in my other podcast called The Purpose Edge, in episode 24, I have an interview with a lady called Karen Jacobson. Now, you may or may not know that name, but she is better known as, well, actually, she says she's the only woman that men take directions from. She is, in fact, the voice of Siri, or Australian Siri, anyway. She was at the forefront of a lot of this AI and performer debate. So, you know, you might be thinking, well, what licensing or revenue streams is she getting from being the voice of Siri? Was it an equitable transaction? And, well, you have to listen to find out, won't you? You'll find my contact details in the show notes, along with some links. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Business Purpose Trends podcast. I'm Phil Preston. Have a great day and may the Business Purpose Trend be with you. Mm-hmm.